Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. This week, we're going to be discussing something that every person, every relationship, every family needs, and that is boundaries. When did you first hear about boundaries and start working on boundaries in your own relationships? Well, I was probably five years into dealing with my childhood sexual abuse when I had this dream. And in the dream, my earthly father handed me this book called Boundaries. It was vivid. I knew the name of it. And it said, he said, take this and read it. And I did not even know that there was a book called Boundaries that existed. I think it had just been released. So I go to the library and say, hey, have you ever heard of this book? And lo and behold, it's this dream book. Exactly. The same book that you saw in your dream? Yeah. Isn't God amazing? Like supernatural. That's wild. It is wild. And so, and I just want to give credit where credit is due, that it's by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. And it is a classic mental health book that every person should read. Um, but reading that was very eye-opening to me. How so? Well, I, I guess I kind of got this feeling like, oh my gosh, I am so messed up. Like, I don't know how to say yes or no to people and know when to say yes or no to take control of my life. Especially as a people pleaser, that was probably really difficult. Yeah, can you imagine? Because, you know, we don't want to make anybody unhappy. And then, you know, putting up a boundary means that people are not going to like it. So for those who maybe are unfamiliar with boundaries, let's just give a quick overview of what boundaries are and why we need them in our relationships. So first of all, boundaries, I think of them as like relationship guardrails to keep your relationship on track. Um, We've also called them gates, right? Gates are something that you can open or close. Like maybe you can say, you know, no, this gate's closed right now, but then you could see a change in behavior or decide I want to give this person another chance or, or maybe there's a crisis in a family where you say I'm going to open and have connection with this person for a while or a different kind of connection and then test them out and then put in, you know, the gate back up and close the gate depending on how the relationship is ebbing and flowing. Why do we need boundaries? Well, I think God created boundaries. You know, I, Jesus had boundaries. You know, we see that Jesus had his his relationship with the Father. That was like his innermost being. And then he had the three disciples. And then he had the 12. And if you look at it, you can almost think of it like a bullseye. You know, the Father and Jesus are in the center. Then the three are his closest connections. Then the 12. Then he had the 70. And then he had the masses and everybody else outside of this circle of people. And so he didn't let every single person into the closest part of his heart or closest connection. And as we talk about relationships, I believe our most important relationship aside from our relationship with God is our relationship with ourselves and boundaries that we set in our lives are a way to protect ourselves and protect ourselves within relationships. And I think that you are going to talk about boundaries as it relates to your view Right. From an abuse perspective of why is it so hard when you have had a boundaries violated in a very significant way to put up boundaries and what that looks like compared to like what your perspective might be. And I will share more so of what boundaries are as it relates to everyday life. Yes. 
Okay, so just so you know where we're when we're storytelling or whatnot, that's what's going on. Why do you think it's so hard to set up these boundaries in our relationships? Well, I think that all of us want happiness. We want people to love us and uh, and to make everybody happy. And so, you know, when people are violating a boundary or crossing a boundary, it's because they have um, they have something that they want. They have a goal, and so when you tell them no, then you're basically thwarting their purpose, like their desire. And that leads to consequences. Boundaries are hard because they have consequences. Yeah. I think everybody wants to say like, how can I, you know, how can I tell my mother-in-law that I don't want her to come to Christmas because she overbuys for all my kids without having my mother-in-law be unhappy. You can't do that. Like you can't set a boundary without having a consequence of another person having an emotional response or, um, feelings about your boundary. And so you you don't get your cake and eat it too. Right. And, you know, as a former teacher, I think that teachers have their boundaries crossed a lot when it comes to workload and the balance of work life. Right. You know, I've always heard of if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Right. But what happens when you start telling people, no, I can't do that because of X, Y, Z, and it leads to you getting in trouble with your boss. Right. I mean, that's a huge one. And I mean, and the, but I do think let's let's look at this. I think in work, what happens is that there's particular personalities that carry the load. And then there's certain people that never have extracurricular activities. That's true. And usually the people who get loaded on are the people who are people pleasers. Uh, they're extreme doers, which means that they can get the job right. done effectively right. and efficiently. I felt like I kind of fell into that latter category where people would come to me and ask me to do X, Y, and Z. And because they knew that it would be done well and it would be done quickly, I just had to learn how to say no. Right. And to say like, it's not going to be to my standard, but it's going to be done. And I don't have to do everything in the job. You know, I think that a lot of times we want to control the standard or the outcome too. And so we want to say no, but we want it to be done a certain way. And so when we say, when we say no to something, like maybe you might say like, I'm, I'm not going to do all the laundry for the whole house. This is a family. We're all going to do it. But then you don't get to manage like if they're going to do laundry exactly the way that you do it, you know? So sometimes there's a, or on your timetable or on your timetable. So sometimes there's a give and take when we set boundaries and limits. When boundaries are violated or crossed, especially in a significant way, Like if you like you trigger your the three responses, fight, flee or freeze. Right. And I mean, I want to say that, like, when we say no, like the the strongest thing. And I remember telling my students and my um, daughter and my son that when someone says no or stop it, they actually mean no and stop it. So like in the classroom, when somebody is poking you with a pencil and they say, quit poking me with a pencil, they actually mean quit poking me with a pencil. So what happens in a classroom when a kid says that, doesn't listen to that no. Then the kid getting poked is going to erupt into a fit of rage. Right. And so that kid now is going to be fight, flee, or freeze. Or freeze. And it's not going to be freeze. <laughs> Very rarely is it flight. <laughs> and so then you get this physical response because 
you know, my skin is now being touched in a way that I don't want it to be touched. I've told you to stop touching my skin in this way that I don't want it to be touched. And you're not listening to me. So therefore, I'm now going to touch your skin in a way that you don't like your skin to be touched. And so now we just have this cycle, you know, where, where both sides are crossing boundaries. And so it's really important in family dynamics that we teach each other that when they say stop, it actually means to stop because that's our stop sign. That is our boundary. Otherwise it escalates. I felt like I maybe struggled with this as a child when you're playing or whatever, and you are teasing each other and someone says no, and then you just like keep pestering them a little bit more, like pushing their buttons a little bit more. I felt like that was something that I was guilty of as a child with my brother is like, I knew how to pester him and he would say, stop it. And I would just push push, it, push that button right. one more time. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, like if he's the one who hits, like he's the one who's in the bigger trouble because he hit versus the person who didn't respect maybe his emotional boundaries. This is where we get to be like the gaslighting comes in because then you just say, well, I was just teasing. And, you know, to, to kind of teach our family, like if everybody's not laughing about it, then it's bullying. It's not it's not um, OK for you to keep saying something over and over and over again to somebody if they're not enjoying the conversation. And I think that it's really important as a mother of a boy that I teach him boundaries because in our society, it just takes one little instance of crossing someone's boundary that leads to jail. Right, right. Especially for boys nowadays, you know, um, as a, a young, young man. As it should be. As it should be. Yeah, we're not, we're not against this, but to know like no means no. And, and, and that you need an overwhelming yes for it to be consent. Right. And I, you know, we can go into that path, but certainly, you know, when there's that fight, flee or freeze that comes in, if you don't have a clear consent. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, have stories of like things that maybe went too far, like when, when they don't answer your, your no, and you can't flee, and you've tried fighting, then it's just freeze. Right. And if we don't practice boundaries in simple ways in our families and teach in simple ways, I think that we um, aren't prepared for the big boundaries later on. And I, I know that, you know, I think I think setting up boundaries is hard. Yeah, especially because there seems to be like a stigma that, well, if you put up a boundary, then you're mean. Or if you put up a boundary, then uh, you're closing off this relationship and you just don't want to, you know, have family and we have to be connected to family out of loyalty, regardless if the person is deserving or not. And I have a friend who has family members who have dealt with addiction and the family member was only reaching out to my friend when they needed something, whether it was money, a ride, a place to stay, whatever it was. The only time my friend heard from this person was when they needed something. And so my friend put up the boundary saying, you know what, if you're going to contact me because you need something, don't bother. Don't contact me if you need money. Don't contact me if you need a ride. Don't contact me if you need a place to stay. I'm, I cannot do that for you anymore. Because they were enabling. Right. That's a huge boundary. It's a huge healthy boundary and a really, really hard one to enforce with a family member who, you know, you, to get to the point where you're like, I can't save them. I can't help them. But to save myself 
in my own financial prosperity and my peace of mind, I can't be with this person in the state that they're in. And so that ended the connection between the family member and my friend. And as difficult as that is, the family member could still reach out right. for things other than what you need. It could be a happy birthday. It could be a Merry Christmas, but they don't. Right. And I, I think that that's probably hurtful, but this person was not deserving of, of your connection. And you have to remember that the most important relationship besides your relationship with God is with yourself. And that sometimes these boundaries are a way of self-preservation. Right. And, you know, the scripture talks about not casting your pearls before swine. And I, you know, whenever I hear this, I've always heard people say like, oh, I was trying to tell them about Jesus, but they were so closed down. So then I just said to myself, I'm not going to cast my pearls before swine. But let me read what that scripture actually says. It says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So we're not supposed to give away what is sacred. And I just think that we are sacred to the Lord. So, you know, when it comes to putting up boundaries, I think it's very important that we say, you know, all of us cross boundaries. None of us are perfect in our relationships. But if there's a pattern of somebody not listening to your no or, or, or hurting you, touching you in a way that's inappropriate, that, that we're sacred and we cannot continue offering ourselves um, to people that hurt us over and over again. And, and sometimes in our relationships, we have been told, you know, that you got to be in close connection with all family member, like that every family member has to be like the three disciples that were closest to Jesus. That everybody gets to be in the inner circle. That, that level of relationship is reserved for family. So, and, and all family falls into that inner circle. Yeah. Like everybody, if your family, you're in the circle and, and yet there are family members that continually um, emotionally hurt you um, or, or cross your boundaries. You know, like there might be, there might be family members that have particular subjects that they bring up all the time, knowing that it sets you off and that they just bring it up almost to like bully you or push your buttons. We have to just know that just because someone's family, they have to kind of be put to the test to decide if they're safe people and decide how close we want to let them into our inner circle. And those are gates. You know, at times we might want to let them closer and keep them farther, depending on how the relationship goes. And I think it's really important that we recognize that there are levels of closeness that we deem for safe people. So people who are safe are going to be allowed in the inner circle, right? And then people who are not so safe doesn't mean that you have to be unfriendly with them, but they could right. be acquaintances. And then there's people who are really toxic and you can have no contact with toxic people as, at all. Right. I mean, there are people that like, you're, they're just not good for you, period. Or they haven't ever, um, they've violated you in some very major way and there's been no reconciliation or ownership. And so we can, we keep those people at a further distance. And I want to point out that, um, Loving is behaving, responding, and speaking to another person for their highest good. And so allowing somebody to violate your boundaries is not for their highest good because we're teaching them to mistreat other people. We're allowing them to get away with mistreating other people. And you know what? I have, my best friend has set a really healthy boundary, I think, in her 
home. And it's not a boundary for herself, but it's a boundary for her children. And she doesn't allow any negative self-talk around her girls. Let's say I was over and I was complaining about how my arms looked in a certain dress. She would say to me and has said to me, I would prefer if you did not speak about that in front of the girls because I don't want them judging their body that way. Wow, what an incredible boundary. As a mom, to have the foresight to say, I know that this is something that maybe I struggled with. I saw other women in my life struggle with this. And so I'm going to put this boundary, this guardrail up so that they don't have to deal with negative self-talk with themselves in the future. And having boundaries, boundaries can be retroactive, saying that because this happened now, I'm going to set this boundary up. But it can also be proactive, saying that I'm going to set this boundary so that X, Y, and Z doesn't happen. Right. We can take our negative emotions that we might have ourselves about our our own self-image and we can use that to look back and say, why do I struggle with this hang up about myself? Or why do I struggle with making this person happy? Or why do I feel guilty if I say no to this person? And we can trace that back to ourselves and understand the boundary or what we want to say to a family member or loved one to kind of put limits on the relationship to keep it those guardrails in place. I know that this is, might be a little shift of subject, but as we're talking, I just had this thought, you know, here I have this dream and I have this book and I read it and all of a sudden I have this like awareness. Do you have any memories or anything of what that looked like in our home when all of a sudden the boundary message came in to the home? I remember you putting a physical boundary. You would put your hand up um, if we were in an argument as a way to shut me up pretty much. Right. Um, And that was a a way to physically tell me that we are not going to engage in an argument where you're disrespectful to me. So it's interesting that you say that because that is a tool that we have in this curriculum is it's using your hand as a stop sign. So what that does is it, it puts the hand up right in front of somebody. So it's a physical reminder of your words. No. And what I, the way that I was trained to do this is that you put the hand up so that it breaks eye contact between you and the other person. So like they're not able to see your face. And when they try to see your face, what they're seeing is basically talk to the hand. How did you feel when that hand was put up? Angry, um, almost like disrespected, but you used it in instances where I was disrespecting you. And so in hindsight, I see it as something that was a necessity, but I don't think that it's necessarily applicable for every circumstance. It's like I wouldn't go up to my boss and put my hand up and say no. Right. I think it's really if you're being berated, you know, if you're in in it and it's safe enough. I mean, if you're with an abusive man or somebody that might go further, you know, you have to very much be discerning and, you know, change your circumstances. But it's very important when someone is berating you, especially if it's something that you've talked about before. Um, I remember like having conversations that say, I deserve to be treated with respect. You will be treating me with respect. You will be talking to me. And if you do not choose this, there's going to be consequences. Saying that out loud and kind of trying to change the dialogue in the family. I think that that was really helpful because you stated what the behavior was that you were expecting to see. You said what would happen if that behavior wasn't followed through. Right. And then you stuck to the consequence. 
So you will need to be speaking to me with respect. If you don't speak to me with respect, I'm going to take your phone away from you for a week. The disrespect right, continues. Right. Give me your phone. You can get it back next week. Right. And I, I will say that one of the things that I use, and I use it in my classroom a lot, is sometimes I would um, say, you know, what it was specifically, like, I'm going to take your phone away. But more often, I would just say there's going to be consequences because the imagination of a child of what those consequences might be is very powerful. If I say you're going to get your phone, take it away for one day, you might say, oh, it's worth it to me. Right. But I think also there are certain instances where the child maybe doesn't really experience consequences at home. Right. And so that can kind of backfire. I think that you have to learn your child's currency. You have to learn what is really going to make them realize that I'm serious. Like what, what would be a good consequence for someone and make it appropriate for the behavior. Right. Right. I thought that I've had this week as you're talking about consequences is about parents who maybe have in their tool belt spanking, you know, about the interpretation of scripture as spare the rod, spoil the child, and they use spanking. And, you know, we want to have a whole range of tools in our tool belts for consequences, and we don't want to cross boundaries. And so, like, here you are spanking, now you're touching a person's skin in the way that they don't like. And I want to just talk about the tool of boredom. I think that bringing something into your child's life that brings extreme boredom is a really, really powerful tool in giving consequences for crossing boundaries. And I think that that would be more powerful than crossing someone else's boundary in order to enforce a consequence of when they cross your boundary. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of ironic, huh? Where you say, you don't hit your brother, so now I'm going to give you a spanking. Right, and all that does is enforce that hitting's okay as long as you're a grown-up. Right, and so, you know, I remember um, grounding you guys to the bathroom or to a corner, you know, like, I didn't really ground you to your room because there was too much fun things. In yeah, room. too many fun things in your room. Let's put you someplace like uh, in the bathroom. Let's put you in the corner of the formal living room. And trust me, we, we found uh, ways to occupy our time. I think there's a couple of little carvings in the bottom um, of some. Right. Your brother's picture that you drew devil horns on while you were sitting <laughs> in one of the chairs, to be specific. So, and a mustache. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, you know, we tried. So just learning your child's currency, I think is important for assigning consequences when they cross your boundaries. In the coming weeks, we will be discussing boundaries as it pertains to safe people, what makes a person safe. And we're also going to be evaluating whether or not we ourselves are safe people. Right. And I mean, a big focus of that is going to be control. And, um, and is it okay to control another person? And when's that transition from, you know, being in control of a child's life and launching them into adulthood? Safe people. Are we ourselves safe people? We're going to talk about that next time. Thank you for listening to Families Matter Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, 
All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening.